Hi, this is Jackie, and you're listening to She Can't So I Will. And today I have a lady with me who's going to talk to me about uh, what it's like to be married to a narcissist. Um, Her and I have discovered we have very similar situations in the relationships that we were in. And so she's going to share that with us. So this is Grace, and she's going to tell us just a little bit about herself before we get started. Hi, I'm Grace. Um, I uh, wanted to come and talk um, because I, like she said, I have a really similar story. Um, And I have also spoken to other people with similar stories. And something that I really enjoy talking to people about is the similarities and the patterns that people have um, when they are manipulating you. And I really like to tell people how to recognize um, when it's starting so that they can help themselves get out of that situation as soon as possible. Right, which is why um, I wanted to start this podcast in the first place is so that one, if you're in a relationship like this, you can recognize it earlier maybe than what we did and get out of it. Or two, if you're having any other kind of trauma in your life, how did you get out of it? Um, How are Grace and I surviving this? Um, And how do we move on and get better and stronger women? That's the the whole point. And men, because men are victims of being married to narcissistic women too and being abused. So um, Grace is going to go over a little bit on how to recognize that when you're in a relationship. How long were you married? We were only married for six months officially. Um, But but how long were you in the relationship? We were in the relationship for about seven years. Um, It was very on again, off again because... I was trying to get out, but it was so hard. It's so hard to recognize what's going on when somebody is manipulating you like that because he was so good at making it seem like it was my fault. (laughs) So I thought, you know, I need to fix myself and I'll come back and I'll be better and I'll do better and then it'll be fine and we'll go on and we can finally start our lives, quote unquote, (laughs) which is so silly to look back on because none of it was real. None of it was actually that way (laughs) right every argument that I had in the relationship I was in we would sit for an hour possibly and have a conversation about the situation and in the end I would be the one who would ultimately be saying sorry and that it was my fault and that's that was how it ended but the weird part is is he was so brilliant at it that you would actually walk away thinking that you were getting your way Yes. A lot of times, which is weird. Like, how do they do that? Yes. Looking back and telling my story feels ridiculous to say out loud. It feels so silly to tell somebody that he would he would hit me and then somehow convince me to apologize. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know how. I don't know how to explain it. But yeah, We they, laugh, but yes. yet it's like that's... That's crazy. It's absurd. It's mind-blowing to me. Yes. And then, did it not make you feel very, very weak? Yes. Like, when you look back at it, do you think, oh my God, I was so weak. What was wrong with me? Yes. And it is infuriating to look back and I wish I could just shake myself. (laughs) Like, no, what are you doing? (laughs) But that's part of why. I wanted to talk about it is because I want to shake other people. I want to say, wake up, please. (laughs) My counselor had me, um, she put a a stuffed animal in the chair, just like you're sitting across from me right now. 
Um, and she said, I want you to pretend like that's the, the Jackie that was in that relationship. And I want you to talk to her and tell her how you feel now and tell her that it's okay. It's not your fault. And that was like very, very, very powerful for me. Yes. But that was similar to you saying, you know, I want to, I want to talk to myself when I was there. Like when I was that Jackie, I want to talk to myself, but you obviously you can't. So, yeah. Um, but something that, uh, abusers often start out doing, um, is that it starts out fine, like a normal relationship, which is terrifying (laughs) because you don't know until often it's too late. Um, but you go into it and things are fun and exciting and it's a new relationship and everybody's happy. But, um, there's this thing that I've read that I think a lot of people have read about, like, if you put a frog in water and slowly turn up the heat, yes, it won't hop out. And when it finally realizes that it's in danger, it's too late. It's used all, all of its energy adjusting to the temperature that it can't get itself out. Oh my goodness. And I think yeah. of that a lot because that's exactly what being in that situation is like. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, suddenly you wake up and you're like, no, this is wrong. But how do you leave? How do you get out? Yes. <laughs> yes. I remember being very uncomfortable and knowing that I didn't like the way I felt, but not, um, not feeling strong enough to leave. Yes. And then everything, of course, being justified. Yes. All the actions are justified and excused away with some sort of knowledge that they come up with. Oh, yes. They they always sound so wise. <laughs> they always sound like, you know, oh, well, sometimes they'll come up with their own, you know, story about how they were abused and they're the victim and they're the ones that are hurting and you're just not doing the right thing because you're not, you're not helping them heal <laughs> or... Yeah whatever (laughs) and so then they they will play the victim and that's frustrating because it makes again makes you feel Feel like bad yeah makes you feel like you have to apologize right so what kind of uh situation were you in at the time like what was your age for example when we first got together um I was only 15 Mm -hmm. which I was young and naive but on top of that um my sister's dad that we lived with growing up was abusive to me and not nearly as bad just a little physically abusive and very emotionally abusive and so I was already very vulnerable and looking for an out Mm -hmm. and when he came along you know and it was a new relationship and it was somewhere for me to be that was not in the house yeah and so I was always excited to be out and then you know being 15 16 (laughs) um he would always you know oh someday we're gonna run away together and someday 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 (laughs) and um when I finally left I left when the day I turned 18 like that night at midnight I left (laughs) and I remember telling him you know well what if I don't want to leave my mom because my mom was planning on um moving out and finding her own place at that same time that I was turning 18 And she was like, you know, just, I know you're about to turn 18. And she knew that I struggled. And she was like, just stick around and we're going to, you know, move on from this. But he said, if you don't come now, then I'm never speaking to you again. Which was scary to me because he was kind of my safe point at that time. You know, he was my escape from the abuse at home. Right. So I didn't want to lose that. So Mm -hmm. I, I left. And that was sort of like my first um, go-to thought 
when I would look back and think that was a red flag. I should not have done that. But I did. I was, I was 18 and I was also pregnant at the time um, with our first child. So I just ran off because he knew best. <laughs> and so when you say ran off, did he, did you guys move away? Yeah. Um, we, I moved to Huntington, um, uh, which was just a town away. And, uh, we had our own place and everything. And it was so scary because once we were living together alone, that's when things really started to escalate. And I really started to feel more miserable than I ever had. And I just couldn't figure out why. I kept thinking, oh, well, it'll get better once I have the baby because he would make fun of me for getting fat because I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, once once I have the baby, it'll be fine. Or once we're financially stable, it'll be fine. Or once once this, once that, once yeah. whatever he decided was the problem. Mm-hmm. would, And it was always me. <laughs> Could, would, um, so I remember, like, my spouse being, um, even uncomfortable in what he was doing. And so that would have been the reason that he behaved the way he did at home. So basically, I'm not comfortable in my job, so I'm gonna come home miserable, and you're gonna have to have sex with me in order to keep my spirits up, in order to make my stress level drop. That was something that I struggled with a lot, is that we ended up just I, I ended up just having sex with him in order to appease him so that he would be nice to me. Yes. Yeah. I found that that was just a tool to get him to be kind for a day or two. Mm-hmm. And That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yes. And at the time, I didn't realize that there was anything wrong with it. <laughs> I, I didn't realize that that's I was doing that to achieve him being nice. But that's all it was. I... He was always angry, and if I did what he wanted, then everything was fine <laughs> for a minute mm-hmm. <laughs> until he got mad about something else, which a lot of his abuse had to do with um, my appearance because he struggled with his appearance. And so he would kind of project that onto me. So he would say, you know, oh, well, I didn't know that being pregnant would make you fat. And then he would not eat for three days. (laughs) And then he would be horribly extra awful because he was starving himself. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So then I would feel pressured to, you know, have sex with him all the time just to make him be nice. Mm -hmm. So for me, the appearance thing and like suggesting how I should look was a little different than your experience. And me, um, in his words... I think a girl next door look is more attractive. Um, I took that as more simple. I, I mean, all of our girl next, do- next doors are different. <laughs> all of our neighbors are different. But if we took the movie mentality of the girl next door, it was simple, plain, um, a dress. It was my image, long hair, yeah. um, just a very simpleton. Okay, mm-hmm. anybody who knows me today, with my tattoos and my dreads knows that that was definitely not me. Right. But I did it. I tried to stay as simple as I possibly could because that's what he found attractive. He yes. just didn't accept me for who I was. Right. And before before he started just name calling and being extra mean, it started out in when we were in high school um, with little things like, well, I don't really like 
those type of colorful pants or that type of lipstick or that type of hairstyle. And he would kind of just gently pressure me to change the way I dressed. Like, I didn't like plain jeans and plain t-shirts. Like, I don't like that kind of stuff. I like to wear wild things. But he would always, oh, I don't like that on you. That looks terrible. I don't like when anybody wears that. They always look mm-hmm. ugly. Yeah. And he wouldn't directly call me ugly, but he would... It would certainly made you feel ugly if you didn't follow that guideline. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would, you know, dress down, I guess, <laughs> just the t-shirt and jeans type of look that he wanted all the time to please him. And it's just, yeah, I didn't recognize that as a red flag at first. Well, going back to your, like, frog theory, which I have heard that before, but never placed it into this situation. And I think it's just fantastic now because... As I've told the audience uh, before, I struggled really, really hard with talking about it at first because I I didn't um, think I'd be believed. Mm -hmm. And then it's very, very hard to explain to people, um, how do you not know? And how do you not know? Because we've been divorced for almost 10 years, so how is it just coming out now? Well, that's why, because it happens so little and you get so manipulated into thinking there wasn't anything uh, abnormal. Everything that was going on was completely normal. And then the therapist will tell you that anything that doesn't feel like you're strong enough to deal with at that time, the brain will literally block that memory for you. And then when you are strong enough to deal with it, it comes out. But when we both talk about the fact that things start small, I'm still to this day trying to discover where, where did it start? What are those tiny little things that were happening? And I'm still trying to discover those. Do you remember anything that was like tiny that you can remember just that was like, okay, I remember that. It's some things other people have told me because I'm so close with my family and my friends that I'm really lucky that they were around, hovering around the whole time. So they saw a lot of stuff that I didn't see that they tell me about. My mom often brings up the time in high school when he told me he doesn't like when girls wear makeup. I shouldn't wear makeup because he doesn't like it. And she said, you know, I never wore a lot of makeup anyway. I, but the fact that he said that, and then all of a sudden I completely stopped. And she was like, I saw that and I knew that that was wrong. Yeah. And it's so minor. If you think back on it, it's such a minor thing, but it is, it's just conditioning you for the next thing he's going to deliver. Right. Whatever it is. My situation ultimately ended in sexual abuse. Um, to the, you know, I've talked on here openly that I was, uh, awoken at least three times a week in the middle of the night to being penetrated in some way, uh, without consent. Uh, what was the, what do you think that your climax was? I called it the climax because that was the draw the line. I have dealt with this, but this didn't happen until I'm get, I'm trying to guess that it was almost eight somewhere between eight and ten years in before that type started there was always a a lack of um like intimacy where it was just like a task at hand that needed to be completed yeah but the non-consent was not till like eight or ten years in so that's a lot of years of baby stepping yeah to get to there and it does it does take so long which I think that because I was in such a vulnerable position, mine kind of escalated a lot more quickly. But, um, my, like, he would, um, kind of 
not take my small hints early on like even when we were teenagers he was the first person that I was ever with like that so I didn't really know what how it went (laughs) so when you know I would just kind of gently like hint that I didn't want it and he would do it anyway I didn't realize that that there was anything wrong with it and we would even joke about it afterwards. I would say, well, you know, I kind of didn't really want to do that. And he would laugh. Laugh, yes. <laughs> and I and I would laugh it off too. I'm like, oh, well, you know, next time, you know, just I'll just say it louder. I'll say no louder. Or, I'll... <laughs> or give you a different sign, yeah. which is something I had talked about in the past that I, I had to ask myself, did I say no? And I'm like, dumbass. You don't have to say no. There are a lot of different... You don't have to say the words in O, is my point. There are a lot of things There's so that mean ways. no. Yes. And Did I say yes in my sleep? <laughs> no! Right. And it's crazy to me to think about if there was any resistance at all why you would want to do that. That's just control. It's not about sex or pleasure it, no it's, it's about not about control. intimacy it's not about making a connection with somebody no it is complete control yes and it's just horrifying to look back on that and see how many times things like that happened where you know i would be asleep or i would just give those small signs that i didn't want to and he would still do it and i would just laugh it off and then it grew to eventually, I don't know exactly when the first time that he really, really, really hurt me that way, but I know there was one time afterwards I was lying there and I was thinking, this is real. He really actually raped me. I really said no and I cried and I begged and I hit and I scratched and I thought I was gonna die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. And then it is in that would be the climax that you think we were looking for that you were just like this is where I draw the line yes or and I I have I know the answer to this question but he tried to justify even that right he did he he definitely did he told me multiple times well if you hadn't made me mad I wouldn't have done that well if you had just done this for me I wouldn't have done that and even even during like while he was attacking me he would say that like just relax and it'll be over just stop it'll be over just just lay there and there were times where I just did I just I just laid there because my daughter would be asleep in the next room and I didn't want her to walk in Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I would just be like well I don't want her to find me like this so just do whatever you're gonna do and let me go to sleep please It's hard to talk about. (laughs) It is. It is. Especially when you've moved on. But it's so important because I believe that there are women out there that think because they're married and in a relationship that they're supposed to. Yes. That I'm just supposed to do this. I had people in my family tell me. I had people that read the Bible scriptures to me and said, you're supposed to be submissive. I'm like, ugh. And now I'm like, no, just because you're married does not mean that you owe somebody your body. Right. Like, absolutely not. Right. And that's also something, too. He was very controlling um, financially. And so he would use that as an excuse that I, I owed him sex because because he paid rent. So yeah. I should have sex with him. Right. And 
he he paid the water bill so I I have to have sex with him and it's just I thought that that was fine and that I did owe him because oh he's taking care of me so I need to take care of him mm-hmm. but that's not I mean everybody knows that's not what sex is about no it isn't <laughs> in fact I was a stay-at-home mom for 16 years and so I too felt like it was my duty what else am I doing Right. You know? <laughs> and that's that's what he would say sometimes. What else are you doing? Mm-hmm. What have you done all day? Yes. They play that card. That. Like, as soon as you walk, they you start to belittle, belittle you as soon as they walk in the door. But it's it's almost, you feel it. But when you replay what they say, it's almost non-recognizable. Yes. The, the way they degrade you. Yes. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're, it, he was so smart with his words that he would say it but not say it. Uh, so here, I I left and was gone out of the relationship for a few months and then went back because I've been told that they don't give up control mm-hmm. ever. Right. Um, I guess unless there's some sort of final line where they're just like, okay, they're totally not going to come back to me. And then they just move on to somebody else. Yes. Which is sad. Um, but he tried to get me back and I en- ended up going back. But when I, and I want to ask you about, you know, cause I know he didn't give up no. when you left. So I want to hear about that. But first he admitted to me when I went back in his words, I gave you a little bit of positive feedback about your talents. Cause he used to tell me, he told me more than anybody else that I was the most talented person he'd ever met in his life. That's what his words were to me. He goes, I would give you a little and then take it back. Yes. And reel it back in because I didn't want you to feel so confident that you would leave me. Those are his words. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exactly, exactly how it is. And that's, you know, that's my ex. He would, he would compliment me exactly the way that he knew I wanted to be complimented and then break me down in another way that I was already very insecure about. And, you know, he would build a little and only he saw me, you know, good in this way. And it, it was only him. And he, he's like, only I see how great you are at singing or whatever. But you look horrible. You're so ugly. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Imagine what you could do if you look like this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yes. It was like, I want you to be over here being great. But you're doing this little thing that's not getting you there. And they point it out. Right. Right. So it's it's like their leash. They yeah. keep you on this leash. Like, they want you to feel good enough to continue to be with them. But they want you to be insecure enough to stay. To stay. Yes. To not think that you're better and can find better. Right. So what kind of things did he do when you left? Oh, my gosh. He would call me all the time and text me all the time. And any anything that I did with my friends or family... When, when he and I would split up, his he would lose his friends because his friends were also my friends, and they would see what was going on, and they would stop being friends with him. And he would tell me that I'm brainwashing people, <laughs> and that I need to stop spreading lies about him. And he would. There was actually one time he um, he broke into my house. Uh, which I wasn't in the house at the time, but my sister was. And uh, she called me at 3 in the morning, and she said, were you expecting anybody over tonight? It was the middle of the night. I was working an overnight shift. And I said, no, why? 
And she said, somebody was just in here. She was like, and I think it, it was your ex. I couldn't see because it was dark, but he just laid in bed with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And he ran out the door and we reported it to the police, but there was no proof. So it didn't what happen. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Um, but he was just very, very pushy about just, just talk to me. Just come over and talk to me. Yeah. Just sit down and talk. You know, we can hash this out. We don't have, just, just talk to me for a minute. Come have dinner. Yes. I heard those same things. (laughs) And he would always call me when he knew that I wasn't around anybody else Mm -hmm. when I was alone. Um, and it would be conversations that you just couldn't get off. You just could not get off the phone with. And that may seem great. Well, just hang up. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Right. You can't get off the phone. But ultimately, the whole divorce was my fault because I was unlovable and I needed to seek help so that my kids could have their happily ever after was exactly the words that were said. So that is almost exactly really? almost exactly what he told me to. It's so ridiculous how similar a lot of these people are. Mm-hmm. Where do they come from? I don't know. Like how do how do that's a question that we will have to research. Like how do how do we not raise a narcissist? Yes. As mothers, like how? Yes. And that's something I think just communication is how you do that. You feel comfortable talking to your um, your friends and family and your kids about right and wrong, about we do not tell people how they should be. We don't tell people (laughs) what to do with their lives. If you love someone, you love someone for who they are. You don't love them for who you want them to be. Right. And that's something, you know, my two kids, my son especially, because I know that boys are so prone in our society to um, belittle women. Um, I especially, and because of their father, I always, you know, push him toward being kind. I, he is already such a kind child, and I reward that so much more than I do with my daughter, just because girls, oh, she's such a sweetheart, and boys, they're always, oh, don't cry, be tough, and so I'm like, no, you know, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be sad, please feel your feelings the right way. Yeah. <laughs> because I think that's part of it, too, is, you know, telling little boys to bottle up their feelings, and it comes out in aggression, and that can often, you know, build into an abusive person. Mm-hmm. One Not of the, always, but... One of the things that I would um, make sure that my boys knew was, I guess, try to build their confidence mm-hmm. and allow them to be okay with making mistakes as well. Yes. Like, if they're confident, then they don't need to belittle and control somebody. So... Um, I think that it, when raising boys, or and I, I'm not, I don't want to stereotype. I right. try not to stereotype because I know there are guys out there that are in a relationship with a woman who's a narcissist. I know it. Oh yes. Um, but typically, I guess if there was a percentage, which I bet we could find online, <laughs> um, it's probably higher that it's men. Right. But I think it's 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 a confidence thing. They're not confident with themselves. They're not happy with themselves. And so they must control something. And you know what? You had mentioned that to me that you wondered if it wasn't people who also have been abused. I, in my case, that's not the case. That, I mean, I don't think so. My, in my case, I could see it more being 
where they just weren't happy and nothing was ever enough. Mm -hmm. He was very, very caught up in what everyone else thought of him. Yeah, and that's how my ex, he was not abused at all growing up, but he was just not, he was so worried about what everybody was thinking of him and what everyone was doing or not doing for him because uh, what he thought he should get from everyone. Which there's, that's a confidence thing. So at some point in time when they were being brought up, they weren't, maybe weren't accepted Mm -hmm. as they are. Maybe they were pushed. You know, they could say that that's a form of abuse, but I think it's just a mistake that parents make sometimes where... Right. I guess bring your kids up to to know that they're accepted no matter what. Right. Yeah. And that's that's part of, you know, accepting the feminine qualities in my son as well. Just, you know, he's only four, so he likes glitter and tutus and whatever. And I want him to know that no matter what he wants in life, I will always love him and accept him. Right. And... I want him to know that he has a safe space somewhere because I know that it's not safe with his dad. (laughs) Right. Um, And your kids still see their dad? They do. Um, It has been rocky, (laughs) but uh, right now they see him every other weekend. They were on supervised visits. Um, There was a while where he was not allowed to see them. He has been in and out of jail for abuse to other women because he just continued the cycle with somebody new over and over again. And uh, he still doesn't understand. He still is baffled as to why he keeps going to jail and why his life keeps going wrong. Well, I'll tell you, in his defense, everything, all the research that I have done um, says that they're not curable. Right. Which is sad. It is. It's very sad. So I can't imagine... You know, the extent and the level is completely different because obviously my ex has not been in jail. He's a, a very functioning person in society. Like, um, he's very charming. Mm-hmm. Very, very charming. Oh, they are. They, I think <laughs> they all are. And it's wild because people from the outside would have no idea. No. They have no, 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 no. idea. Yeah. I, I, was, I was just, when I left, I was like, you're crazy. Like, I don't get it. Like, he's such a catch. Like... I'm like, oh. <laughs> and I didn't even know the extent of it then, but I just knew that I wasn't happy. Right. You know, and that's kind of what I woke up one day. There was one day where I finally left the day that I left for good. That morning I woke up and I realized this is forever. This is who he is. This isn't, oh, if I fix it, it'll get better. No, like this is it. You go and if you want to change your life, you have to do it. You have to move, and he is the thing that is keeping you stuck. And that day was such a hard day. He literally, like, stuck to my leg and begged me not to leave. And, of course, now he's, he tells people he kicked me out. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, it's so crazy that I woke up and it's like somebody smacked me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. And then I went back. Then I got smacked again. I was like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. at some point. Um, so to finish up, this is um, an opposite of the situation that you and I had. Mm-hmm. But I want to open the door to invite someone to contact me if this is the situation they're in. So in the research that I have done, I have found that there's an opposite end of the spectrum of a narcissist. And that's called a people pleasers. Mm-hmm. And from what I have researched, a people pleaser 
does nearly the exact same thing, but in a black and white manner compared to a narcissist. Meaning they're still controlling, they're still manipulating, but they do it in a different way. They do it in guilt trips. Um, They're overly nice and they expect it back. So basically they're give, 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 giving, saying all the nice, kind things all the time and suffocating you with so much kindness, but it's all delivered in an expectation type of, of delivery. Right, well, I've done all of this for you, so why aren't you giving back? Yes. All of the same things. Yeah. So there's not abuse. There's not physical abuse. There's not sexual abuse, but it's still that mental and emotional side. Right. And so I would be interested in sitting across from somebody and listening to somebody who says, hey, I've been in a relationship with a people pleaser and here's how it affected my life and here's you know why I got out of that relationship. Right. So that would be... That would be interesting to see that other side of the spectrum. Yes. You know, I think that people pleasers also are uh, not recognized as often. Narcissists aren't recognized as often enough, and I think people pleasers are even less. Right, because they're so nice. They're so kind. (laughs) Well, a narcissist is super charming, but this person is a giver. And they're like, oh, they're they're just, their love language is just gift giving. I'm like, eh, there's a difference. Right. If it's a love language, you don't expect anything in return. Right. That's that's what love is. You don't right. expect anything from love. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, thanks, Grace, for coming. And I hope that we can um, save somebody. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. You got out much quicker than I did. And I hope that there's somebody out there that hasn't been in a relationship for very long. Maybe, hopefully not even married. And we can be, they can be like just questioning things. Because once you like plant the seed, then they start to they start to see things for themselves. So even if you're a family member and you think that somebody out there is in this relationship, that's a daughter or a friend, even um, start start taking notes when you're with them. Mm-hmm. Write notes in your phone, and so when the opportunity presents itself, you can just gently and kindly. And sometimes they don't accept it, yeah. but you can just say, "Hey, these things happened." on this day and I'm starting to become uncomfortable with the way you're being treated and and even if they get ticked off at you and they don't speak to you again you planted the seed right so and, they're gonna start to notice yeah and eventually and they have to see it for themselves but it is those little seeds yeah. that kind of help them realize over yep. time no matter how angry they are at first right <laughs> Okay, my email address, if you want to contact me to be interviewed on this podcast, is Jackie, F as in Frank, at gmail.com. Just give me a, shoot me an email, and we'll see if we can get you on the show. Thanks for listening.